Okay, we've been studying selected psalms, and we're going to look at the 42nd psalm today. This psalm deals with uh, spiritual depression. <clears throat> I'm sure you've never been depressed, but you may meet somebody who is, and uh, uh, this psalm would be what to point them to. <clears throat> now, the fact of spiritual depression, it's a very common malady uh, in verse 11 of Psalm 42. He says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Here's this. Here's this spiritual depression. Uh, Soul cast down uh, like in a storm-tossed sea or something. Verse 7, where he says, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me, God. Man, I'm just drowning. Oh. You know, here's a, this uh, really deep depression here that apparently uh, David is the author here. and doesn't tell us, uh, but apparently he's the author. <clears throat> and, uh, uh, you know, think of what David went through. Uh, and uh, he's a, he was a man after God's own heart, we're told, but yet, of course, he slipped badly and sinned, and, and uh, then uh, God told him that the sword would never depart from his house, and not too long thereafter, his son Absalom, well, one son kills another son, and, and then Absalom tries to kill David, and David has to flee and all that, and you can see why he was depressed, goodness. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, when you think of biblical people depressed, uh, um, you think of Elijah. <clears throat> uh, Elijah uh, was in during the days of Ahaz and Jezebel, and uh, Ahaz, <clears throat> Ahab and Jezebel, Ahab and Jezebel, and. Uh, Ahab kept doing all these wrong things, and of course Jezebel was influencing him badly, and and she had uh, she introduces all this Baal worship into the nation and all, and and uh, God uh, <clears throat> tells Elijah to go confront Ahab and tell him that there's going to be a drought, and uh, there is, and it goes on for three years, and just a terrible drought, and. Uh, and then God uh, tells Ahab to go and, I mean, tells the, uh, Elijah to go and confront Ahab and and tell him to get all the people together and we're going to have a big showdown as to who is the true God and so on. And so they get all the 400 prophets of, of Baal together and and uh, Elijah. You know, look at look at uh, first. I mean, look at yeah, First Kings 19. First Kings 19. <clears throat> And uh, <clears throat> at uh, <clears throat> well, verse chapter eighteen, First Kings chapter eighteen, uh, you have the all the <clears throat> prophets of Baal, and, and God tells Elijah, okay, you have them build an altar, and uh, and. Uh, <clears throat> 
put wood on it and all, but uh, then they'd call on their God, and you build an altar, and you put wood and so on on it, and you call on me. And the God who answers by fire, let him be fire. So Baal first. And so the 450 prophets of Baal, they really get out there and they, B-A-A-L, B-A-A-L. You can do it, you can do it, Baal, Baal, Baal. <laughs> and nothing happens. <laughs> and then Elijah's, <clears throat> Elijah's turn comes and he says, all right, pour water on everything and puts a trench around it and and he said, Oh God, show that you're the true God. And notice here in uh, verse 30, uh, verse 38 of chapter 18, it says, Then the fire of God fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape, and they seized them, and, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishron and, and uh, slaughtered them there. And then uh, God tells Elijah to uh, tell Ahab that he's going, it's going to rain now. He says, Elijah said to Ahab, go up and drink, and there's a sound of uh, rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up on the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed himself down to the earth, put his face between his knees and prays, and he keeps telling his servant, go see if there's any sign of, war, of rain anywhere. And finally he comes back and says, there's a little cloud coming up from the sea. And he says, all right, quick. Uh, uh, he says uh, that in, in verse 45, in a little while the heavens grew black, the clouds and the winds, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered his garments and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So uh, <clears throat> he thinks, boy, well, we've had a great victory here, and that's settled everything. And, and, and look at chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah and said, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow, by one of those dead prophets of Baal. And... Uh, he was afraid, and he rose and ran for his life and uh, came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. And then he went a day's journey, and then in verse, <clears throat> uh, he sat down under a broom tree, and he said, uh, he asked that he might die. It's enough now, O Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept, and then he, and uh, so on. <clears throat> the, the angel of <laughs> the Lord tells him to rise and go on a journey and all. And then uh, he goes to a cave and lodged. And this is verse 9. Lodged in, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord of hosts and for the people in uh, the people of Israel had forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword, and I only I am left. And uh, they seek my life to take it away. And... Uh, <clears throat> And then uh, in verse 14, he says, I have been very jealous uh, for the people of Israel and, forsaken, and who have forsaken your covenant and thrown down your altars and, and so on. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it. And uh, he, <clears throat> he wants to just die. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> the Lord uh, 
tells him, well, he'll, he'll replace him with Elisha. And uh, he does that. But he's very, he, he's very depressed there, as you can pick up that. Uh, well, uh, so you get Elijah very depressed. You get uh, Moses. Uh, Moses was leading the people of Israel, and they kept rebelling against Moses. And, and uh, when they're doing the exodus here, they come out of Egypt and headed for the promised land. And, and uh, they keep rebelling and complaining. And, oh, that we were back in Egypt where we had good food to eat and all this stuff. And, and uh, Moses gets so depressed, and he just wants to die, Lord, and just take my life. I'm not, uh, I'm not able to bear all these people. Kill me, Lord. So here's some cases of biblical depression. One other one, Jonah. Remember Jonah? God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and and tell that great city yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And Jonah doesn't want to go and he tries to go in the opposite direction and God has a fish, <laughs> has a storm and then a, uh, the uh, uh, he has a fish swallow him and then the fish throws him up on the <laughs> coast there. Nineveh, and he goes and says, "Yet forty days, and it'll be destroyed." And and you know, spending all that time in the stomach of the fish, probably his face was all bleached, very unusually, unusual from the gastric juices and all. And you can, there's some other cases that I could bring in where that happened to people, and they lived, they were okay, but they're just totally bleached. Anyway, uh, he goes and says, "Yet forty days, and it'll be destroyed." And and uh, and the people repent, and he's real upset. He wanted them destroyed. That's why he didn't want to go tell them to repent. He was afraid that, that they would repent, and then God wouldn't destroy them, and they were a number one enemy of Israel. And uh, so he's so depressed, he says, God, please just take my life. And he's watching the city to see if, if God won't destroy it, maybe. And uh, God calls it. It's real hot. He's sitting out in the sun. It's real hot. And God has this uh, plant suddenly grow overnight and cover him shades, and he's so happy. And then he has a worm come and destroy the plant, and, and he's so depressed. Please take my life, you know. <laughs> and anyway, uh, so that's some cases of depression in Scripture, huh? And uh, now, how do you handle it? Uh, okay, we have it in the church today too. We we do have some depression in, in the church. Yeah. I could point you. No, I won't do that. <laughs> okay. <yeah. laughs> Now, uh, it's a common malady, and notice the effect on the individual. Uh, Of course, uh, just miserable like David was as he writes that psalm. Let's look back at Psalm 42 there. And uh, and they become ineffective a lot of times. I mean, here, we're supposed to be the army of God, but we're in the nursery. (laughs) If we're depressed, man, we're not going to be too good an army. There uh, and uh, uh, the effect on the body of Christ. You know, if you got some folks depressed, it's going to affect the whole body, kind of like if you got an elbow it hurts, it affects your hand and your wrist and all. And uh, so it not doesn't just hurt you in a sense; it affects the whole body. And uh, <clears throat> the effect for those outside the church or outside Christ, uh, in a sense. Uh, it's not a very good recommendation if they see Christians who are depressed, is it? Think about uh, John Wesley. 
John Wesley, who founded the Methodist Church. John Wesley was a missionary from England to America. And he, he can go and see the church he pastored uh, right off the coast of Georgia over there today. You can go see the church he pastored over there. And he was a failure as a missionary, Wesley was. And finally he got so discouraged and depressed he decided to go back home to England. And as he's going back, this storm strikes the ship he's on, and a bad storm, and and uh, it looks like the ship's going to sink. And there was this group of Moravian Christians on the ship, and they were singing hymns and praising God. And he goes to him and says, Don't, what, what is the matter with you guys? Don't you understand this ship may sink? It's, it's probably going to sink. What are, you, what are you guys doing praising and singing you know, like this? He said, well, if the ship sinks, we go to heaven. If it doesn't, we go to England. What is the problem? <laughs> and he was just amazed at their peace and all, and, and he was attracted to him. So <clears throat> when he got to England, he went to one of their meetings and, and met at uh, what was called Aldersgate Street. And uh, on a, that was a street they were on and had a church there. And they, as he went there, they were reading uh, um, the Martin Luther's uh, introduction uh, to the Book of Romans. And, uh, of course, Luther had been uh, <clears throat> uh, Roman Catholic and all, and then had had totally missed the way of salvation. And then he, uh, on one occasion, uh, he was reading his, his Bible, and he hit Romans 117, says, The just shall live by faith. Yeah, that's different. Live by faith, and he was—he'd been thinking in terms of earning his salvation. All but that—that that struck him anyway. In those days, they had taken the uh, the uh, steps that led up to the uh, little platform that Pilate had stood upon when he condemned Jesus, and they'd taken those to Rome, and you could go up those—you you could go up those steps, and people would go there and go up their steps on their knees, and and the Roman Catholic thing you were earning good good points as you did that and so he had gone to Rome and he's going up those steps on his knees and as he gets about halfway up he says the just shall live by faith not by going up steps on your knees <laughs> and he began to realize uh, that salvation is a gift by grace you say through faith and and uh, he was overwhelmed with it and he began to preach that and of course out of that came the break with the Catholic Church and the yeah, they were, he was worried about them burning him at the stake, and they almost did. But anyway, and uh, you found the Protestant Reformation, and Calvin was a contemporary who, a different area of the world, but uh, the two of them headed out the, the <clears throat> tremendous movement of the Protestant Reformation and all. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> here's this, uh, they, they were teaching, they were, they were reading that when Wesley went to that church in on Aldersgate Street, they were reading from Luther's commentary on Romans there, and uh, and Wesley began to realize that he had been a lot like Luther and thought in terms of earning your salvation and all, and that's when he became a Christian. And he uh, was so excited, and then his, a couple of days later, his brother, uh, Charles Wesley, who wrote some of your great hymns, you know, he became a Christian, and, uh, and then Charles Wesley wrote a hymn about it, and they both sang it together and all. Uh, but anyway, uh, the, here you can see how when when here you had Wesley all depressed, and then you have these Moravian Christians on the ship who are so peaceful in the middle of this storm, and how it attracted him to them. And 
So depression can turn off the world, but if we're depressed, but if we're handling <clears throat> tough situation without being depressed, that can really be an attraction to Christ. And uh, so it's a crucial thing that we handle it correctly. Uh, <clears throat> now, and the cause of spiritual depression, uh, you've got different kinds of depression, but spiritual depression where, I mean, you can have physical problems that will cause some depression and so on. But in varied causes, uh, biblically, uh, we talk about David being depressed here as he writes this. And one of the reasons he was depressed, he's, he has been shut off by all this attack on him and probably by his son or whatever. He's been shut off from gathering with God's people and worshiping God and uh, the means God has provided for fellowship with him and with one another. Notice here in verse 1 of Psalm 42. It says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, uh, so pants my soul for you, O God. Oh, God, I'm so hungry for you. Uh, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Talking about uh, going to where they would worship him and all. And, and you know, I can't do it, God. How can I do it? Uh, uh, my tears have been my food day and night. Uh, while they say to me continually, where is your God? Uh, oh, boy. He says, uh, these things I remember when I think of what I'm missing. These things I remember uh, as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the thong and, and uh, lead them in procession in the house of God. And with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Oh, what was so great to do that, and I miss it so bad. And so that's part of his depression there. And, uh, and that's, uh, you know, he's, he's being shut off from gathering God's people and worshiping God in the ways, the ways God has appointed and all. And, uh, of course, his enemy is tormenting him. In uh, verse 9 there, he says, I say to uh, God, my rock, uh, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, where is your God? <laughs> so he's, uh, he's really undergoing some tough things here and persecution and all. And uh, so his, his not being present with God's people as they worship God and use the means God has appointed to do that, and then um, <clears throat> the uh, enemies and all tormenting him. Well, we see, we get some feel of the cause of David's. And then Elijah's, uh, when Elijah, you know, after that thing, he, he, you know, he, this great victory, when God sends the fire, and then Jezebel's going to try to kill him, and he flees and goes and gets in a cave, and God comes and says, why are you here and all, and, and uh, he said, well, I, I alone am left, God. Uh, they'd killed all your prophets, and I alone am left. And and uh, and Moses, uh, you know, when he gets depressed when the people keep rebelling, he just tells God, God, I cannot, I just cannot uh, handle all this, have a load of these people that you've given me, God. It's too heavy for me. Uh, well, we get some biblical causes of it. Modern causes, uh, you get family divisions that really can cause depression, 
Uh, you uh, <coughs> think of uh, when you uh, <coughs> stand for Christ in a, a world that is the opposite of Christ, and all that can get depressing after a while. Uh, when you slip spiritually, like David slipped so bad spiritually, and you've, you've slipped into sin, uh, that can be depressing. <coughs> uh, maybe you got business problems, uh, maybe it's health problems, but there can be a lot of causes of depression. Well, the underlying, those are varied causes, but the underlying, underlying general causes, one, failure to understand the gospel like Wesley really hadn't understood the gospel until he gets there and hears him reading Luther and all that. Failure to really understand the gospel. There I was, a pastor, and uh, wasn't a Christian uh, in seminary. Always good if you can become a Christian before you get out of seminary. That's always good. <laughs> I was, my first first month in seminary, I wound up, my roommate was graduating. He was pastoring a church in Oxford, Alabama, and, he said, I've been called, I'm graduating, I've been called to a church in Arkansas, and that church in Oxford needs a pastor. How about you pastoring that church? I said, I just got here. I don't know anything. He said, they need a pastor. And all of a sudden, I was a pastor, you know. Uh, and, uh, and I really wasn't a Christian. It took me a year before I became a Christian. When I became a Christian, church started to take off. Helps when the preacher becomes a Christian. <laughs> and, uh, 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 but your temperament can be a factor. Temperament, uh, uh, a, uh, you know, you, we hear about people who are introverted and so on, and that, that can be a factor. Or uh, physical and mental condition. Charles Spurgeon, he's a great preacher, one of the greatest preachers ever. He was, he was torn with depression a lot. He had gout, and that was the impact it had on him. He finally died of it, but he, was, he had to really struggle with depression. Great press pastor, Charles Spurgeon. Uh, and of course, uh, <clears throat> your, the devil can play a part in getting us depressed in various ways. Now, what's the cure <clears throat> uh, for spiritual depression? Well, uh, there can be specific cures for specific problems. For instance, uh, in Elijah's problem, when he said, "I alone am left," and all uh, of all the prophets, and God said, "No, actually, there's seven thousand." that I have protected in caves and things and different places, actually. Uh, <clears throat> Ahab's, one of Ahab's key men who handled all the feeding of people, he was a true believer in God, had had him take different <clears throat> true prophets and hide them in caves and provide food for them and all. And, uh, of course, not known to Ahab, but and Elijah didn't know about it either. And so he said, there's 7,000. You're not, a, you're not the only one. Uh, and then, uh, but God went ahead and let Elijah die in the sense of being caught up in a chariot, and He had him anoint Elisha to replace him before that. But uh, then, with Moses, when he was so depressed, I can't handle all this crowd. God, they keep from Moses appointed seventy elders to help him, and that really was God's way of handling Moses' depression. And so there can be different solutions to depression, depending on our situation and so on. Uh, and so uh, there's some uh, general uh, underlying approach there, uh, as we see here. And 
But then, I mean, there's some big specific things saying, but the general underlying approach is brought out here in this uh, chapter, uh, 42nd Psalm there. First, notice, rebuke yourself for your unbelief. Verse 5, it says, uh, it says David talking to himself now. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Uh, he rebukes himself for his unbelief. Uh, <clears throat> uh, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He's my salvation, he's my God. Hope in God. Put your trust in God. Hope is, you know, we use the term, I hope it, I hope Auburn wins, you know, we, <laughs> but uh, this is a different where your hope biblically is a confident expectation. It's, it's based on God's promise and like the hope of heaven, confident expectation. I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's there. And I'm very confident of going there, uh, not because of my good deeds, but because of Christ and my trust in him, surrender to him and so on. Uh, and uh, so he uh, says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Uh, and uh, um, he rebukes himself for his unbelief. Here's a book, Spiritual Depression, by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones is a great preacher in England who died not too long ago, uh, but a tremendous preacher. And... Uh, <clears throat> He uh, talks about what David says to himself here. He says, uh, Indeed, I can put it finally like this. The ultimate cause of all spiritual depression, not chemical, but spiritual depression, is unbelief. For if it were not for unbelief, even the devil could do nothing. Hmm. Uh, It is because we listen to the devil instead of listening to God that we go down before him and fall before his attacks. That is why this psalmist keeps saying to himself, Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. He reminds himself of God. Why? Because he was depressed and had forgotten God, so that his faith and his belief in God and in God's power and in his relationship to God were not what they ought to be. We can indeed sum it up by saying that the final and ultimate cause is just sheer unbelief. Uh, There... There, then, we have uh, looked at the cause. What about the treatment in general? Very briefly, at this point, the first thing we have to learn is what the psalmist learned. We must learn to take ourselves in hand. The man, This man was not content to lie down and communicate with himself, commiserate, excuse me, commiserate with himself. He does something about it. He takes himself in hand. But he does something which is more important. He talks to himself. Uh, he says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? He's talking to himself. He's addressing himself. Uh, <clears throat> he says, uh, uh, Now, he said, I've, I've warned you in the book here about introspection and all that, and aren't you contradicting this when you say talk to yourself? And all he says, He said, How do you reconcile those two things? Well, we must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. 
I suggest the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression is a sense, in the sense is this, we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Uh, this is the very essence of wisdom in the matter. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, take those thoughts that come to you first thing you wake when you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Um, somebody's talking. Who's talking? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment was this. Instead of allowing his self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why aren't the outcast down on my soul, he asked. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, you listen for a moment. I'll speak to you. Uh, and he says, uh, The main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, Why are you cast down? What business do you have being disquieted? You must turn on yourself, upbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, Hope thou in God, instead of muttering in this depressed, matter of fact, way, unhappy way. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, what God is, what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. Then having done that, end on this great note. Defy yourself, defy other people, uh, defy the devil. And the whole world, and say to this, say with this man, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance, uh, who is the, also the health of my countenance and my God. That is the very essence of the treatment in a nutshell. Uh, the essence of this matter is to understand that this self of ours, this other man within us, has got to be handled. <laughs> That's good. Start talking to yourself instead of listening to yourself. Uh, <clears throat> Now, uh, looking back here, uh, uh, and rebuke yourself for your unbelief, and uh, then <clears throat> remind yourself of God's past faithfulness. In verse 6, it says there, My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and from and of Hermon and from Mount Mazar. Uh, Lord, I'm going to remind myself of how you've dealt with me in the past. Uh, uh, and uh, <clears throat> I remember you, God. And realize that the ultimate source of the trouble here uh, <clears throat> is verse 7. Uh, well, the ultimate source of the trouble you're in is God. God, uh, look at verse 7, where he says there, Deep calls to deep, at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me, God. God, why are you letting me be in this awful situation where I'm almost drowning? Well, he's right to attribute it to God in the sense of the devil may have played a real key part, but the devil can't play a part unless God allows him. And God is in control of everything that touches you. You know, Jesus sends the disciples out and he says, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of the wolves. Don't be afraid. Not a sparrow falls without your heavenly father. The hairs of your head are all numbered. So God's controlling everything. Nothing can touch me without him allowing it. And uh, so he reminds himself of that. Realize the ultimate 
source of my situation here is God. And uh, <clears throat> uh, remember, God loves you. Whatever you're going through, it doesn't matter. God loves you. How do you know that? Uh, how do you know God loves you? Has He done anything to demonstrate that? How about sending His Son to die for you? How about opening your blind eyes and your hard heart to put your trust in Christ and surrender your will to Christ? Wow, He loves me. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and remind yourself of that. Uh, uh, you know, do you ever let your child go through some tough things when you could have kept them from it? You think it, some of the tough things they went through helped them mature? Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, remember, uh, gosh, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up from it for us all. How shall he not also freely with him give us all things? If it's something I really need, he's going he's gonna to give it. Remind myself of the promises of God. You know, he, he promises guidance uh, and he promises provision materially. And, uh, don't be anxious what you eat, what you wear. Your Heavenly Father knows you have need of such things. Seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Uh, remind yourself of His promises. Uh, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. He, he will give me strength to handle, to handle this. Uh, and uh, uh, all things work together for good. What's the good? To them that love the Lord. The good is that I have an easy time of it in my route. No. No, the good is that I be conformed to the image of Christ. It says, whom he, <clears throat> whom he chose, him he also predestined that they might be conformed to the image of Christ. Whom he predestined, him he also called. Whom he called, him he also justified. And so on. Uh, Now, it's going to take some time in the furnace if you're going to affect my character and make it more Christ-like. And, uh, ooch, ouch. <laughs> it's going it's going to involve some hard times, but that's a blessing in a sense. All things, not some things, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Well, you say, yeah, but do I love the Lord? To them that are the called according to purpose. Every true Christian loves the Lord. Now, we don't love him as much as we should, but every true Christian loves the Lord. And we've been called, you know, it says, whom he predestined, him he also called, called uh, in... Uh, our shorter catechism, effectual calling is a work of God's Spirit, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds and knowledge of Christ, let to be light, and renewing our will, that's a hard operation, he persuades and enables us to embrace Jesus Christ. You embrace Jesus Christ with repentance and faith. He does this work in our heart, and out of that comes repentance and faith. That's an effectual calling, little boy who's learning the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven who hollered my name. <laughs> uh, and then, so, realize the ultimate source of the trouble is God. He's letting me go through it for a good purpose. He loves me. Re 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 review the promises that God's made to me about being with me. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll provide all this. He'll give me strength. And then, reach up in prayer. Look at verse 9 here. It says, uh, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me continually, Where is your God? And, uh, but he, he's calling out to God here. And so pray by all means. Reach up in prayer. And then reaffirm your faith in God. And verse 11. 
says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil with me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Reaffirm faith in God there. Well, uh, David's enemies were crying out, Where is your God? And David now says, in effect, He's right here. He's right here with me, and in His time, He will relieve my situation. Uh, I shall yet praise Him and all that. Meanwhile, I'll trust Him in quietness and confidence. Uh, So, when you start getting depressed, remember, quit listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Let's have prayer. (laughs) Father, thank you for David's experience here that he shares with us and that you have recorded here. And we just pray that we would learn to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.